Welcome, everybody. You are listening to the Monument Church Podcast, and we hope you enjoy it. Well, hello again, Monument. Uh, this Sunday, January 3rd, we're bringing you a message from Emanisi Malaba. Uh, we have been off for in-person meetings for the 27th and the 3rd, but we are going to be back again next Sunday, January 10th. We're really excited. Uh, we're obviously going to be observing all of the safety protocols and doing church as we have in the past, but it's going to be a great opportunity to reconnect at the beginning of this year. Uh, but actually, as we look into this year, I think Emanisi's got a great message for for us to consider how do we orient and align our hearts, especially going into what is a new year, 2021, and trusting God to do incredible things. So here is Emanisi Malaba. Enjoy. Hey there, dear friends. Greetings from One Tribe Church in Nairobi, Kenya. One Tribe is a church planted by the advanced family of churches just three years ago. And like you, we've been going through a lot during these very challenging times. And uh, as we've been on a similar journey in some respects to you, we found great encouragement and wisdom and even inspiration from the biblical book of Daniel. And so we're going to spend some time in Daniel together over the coming moments. And uh, I'm going to pray for us, then we're going to jump straight in. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the book of Daniel. We want to thank you for the story of these uh four Hebrew boys who made such an impact despite the incredible times that they lived in. God, as we study this book, we pray that their story would become more and more our story and that we'd be able to live out our part in the story that you've called us to, the greatest story that there ever was or will be. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to the book of Daniel Chapter 3, Daniel chapter 3 verse 1 starts like this. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. He set it up on the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. Now, I mean, who does that, right? Well, if you study history, people in history have been doing that for a long, long time. In the 1930s in the Soviet Union, at the height of Joe Stalin adulation, his name was mentioned in a provincial meeting somewhere. I'm not even sure that he was present in that meeting, but his name was mentioned and that triggered a standing ovation. And with the standing ovation came a standing dilemma because no one wanted to be the first person to sit down. So this went on and on and on and on until an old man who couldn't take it anymore sat down. And everyone else sat down, but they noted down his name. And the following day, he was arrested because he hadn't worshipped the idol, for long enough. Dictators have been there throughout history. People wanting to be worshipped have been there throughout history. But it's interesting that we're in Daniel chapter 3 right now, and the chances are that this gold statue in chapter 3 was inspired. Nebuchadnezzar would have gotten inspiration for this from what happened in Daniel chapter 2. In Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream about a dazzling statue. No one can interpret this dream for him until Daniel comes along and tells him what the dream means. And we'll pick it up in Daniel chapter 2, verse 36. Daniel says this, This was the dream. And now we will interpret it to the king. 
You, O king, are the king of kings. Now, isn't that a pretty cool start? God gives Nebuchadnezzar a dream. There's a dazzling statue in this dream. And the dream, the Bible says, Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar, says, you are Nebuchadnezzar, the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands, he has placed mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds of the air, wherever they live, he has made you, Nebuchadnezzar, ruler over them all. You are that head of gold. Isn't that incredible? Nebuchadnezzar here is called by Daniel, king of kings. Daniel says to him, Nebuchadnezzar, you are that head of gold. Seemingly, it doesn't get better than that. But Daniel adds two very interesting words. Check it out in verse 39. Daniel looks Nebuchadnezzar in the eye and says to him, Nebuchadnezzar, after you, another kingdom will arise. Those are two short but telling and powerful words. After you. You see, at the height of his power and dominion, when Nebuchadnezzar seems almost immortal, Daniel says to him, Nebuchadnezzar, everything might be going your way right now, but the reality is there will be an after you. And that's the first practical point that I want us to pull out of the book of Daniel this morning. Is that whatever crisis you might be going through, wherever you are, whoever you are, no matter what life has thrown your way, like Daniel looked at Nebuchadnezzar, and said, there will be an after you. You and I can look whatever crisis we're facing in this lifetime, and we can say, there will be an after you. Whatever you're going through, friends, it too shall pass. Spiritual, emotional, relational, financial, health challenges, it too shall pass. Pass. As I say those words, I'm reminded of the scene from uh, the Fellowship of the Ring, part of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, where Gandalf the Grey is with his friends and he faces up to this fiery beast called the Balrog. And as he's standing on this old stone bridge, he makes a stand for himself, not just for himself, but for his friends behind him. Not just for his friends behind him, but for all of Middle Earth. And as he takes this beast head on, he makes this incredible declaration. He lifts his staff and he says, you shall not pass. Brings his staff crashing down. Now you and I may have to change the words slightly, but our posture as we face challenge in this lifetime, particularly as Christ followers, our posture can be the same as his. We can look the toughest things that this life can bring our way and we can say, not you shall not pass, but you too shall pass. Leadership expert John Maxwell says how when we go through times of crisis, there can be a tendency to buy into the lie that nothing this bad has ever happened before. What, what we're going through right now, it's, it's, it's totally unprecedented. But that's not true and the reality is it too shall pass. But believers, Christ followers have known this for centuries. If you fast forward a few hundred years from 
Babylon and our story to just after the time when Christ was here to the 4th century BC. The story is told about the Christian-hating Roman Emperor Julian. Emperor Julian was mortally wounded in a war with the Persians. And while Julian's expedition was in progress, one of Julian's followers asked a Christian in the church in Antioch, they said to them, what is the carpenter's son doing? The Christian replied, the maker of the world, whom you call the carpenter's son, is employed in making a coffin for the emperor. Within days, news came to Antioch of Julian's death. That's where Daniel 2 leaves us. Jesus has a coffin for every empire and emperor. The only true security is in the kingdom of the carpenter's son. Back to our story in Daniel chapter 3. The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, <clears throat> This is what you're commanded to do, O peoples, nations, and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. I love this bit. Not just angry, not just furious, but furious with rage. Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flutes, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image of gold I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? 
You can probably tell that a smile comes across my face as I read the story. And that brings us to the second practical takeaway from our journey into the book of Daniel today. Number one was, remember that whatever you're going through, it too shall pass. Number two is keep your sense of holy humor. Keep your sense of holy humor. No matter what you're going through right now, now don't get me wrong. Don't hear me saying that what's taking place in our story right here, right now, isn't very serious. In a sense, things couldn't be more serious. The most powerful man in the world is furious with rage. Every man, anybody who is anybody, is there at the presentation of the statue in the plain of Jura and is bowing down. Their careers are on the line. Their lives are on the line. In some ways, it couldn't be more serious. And as I studied the first half of this book of Daniel, I found such encouragement from the robust faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I found encouragement from them as I've watched them go through fiery furnaces and lion's dens and seen visions on the wall and disembodied hands appearing. And through all of that, they go through it with a poise and a calm, not just a poise and a calm, but even a holy sense of humor. And I picture Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, talking to Daniel. We can't tell from Daniel 3 whether Daniel was present on this occasion or not. But I can picture them recounting the story to him and them drawing out the humor as they repeatedly talk about the satraps, prefects, governors, and all the, all the politicians who were there. And as they talk about the harp, the lyre, flute, and all the instruments that were there, I can see them chuckling amongst themselves. There's a kind of humor that is powerful in a time of crisis. It reminds me of the 2019 World Cup and all the South Africans said, hooray! And all the English said, boo! In the 2019 Rugby World Cup, the semi-final was between the New Zealand All Blacks and the English rugby team. New Zealand were the reigning world champions at the time and the favorites in the tournament up against the English rugby team. And at the start of the match, the New Zealand All Blacks threw down their traditional challenge, which is the war dance known as the Haka, crafted to strike fear in the heart of every team that they face on the rugby field. And as they threw down their traditional challenge, unlike most teams who stand cowering and watching the New Zealand all-black haka, the English rugby team was ready. And they faced up against the haka in this reverse arrowhead formation. And at the head of the arrowhead was the English rugby team captain. His name is Owen Farrell. And as Owen Farrell faced up to the challenge of the haka, he had on his face what can only be described as a smirk. And this smile, this holy laughter, if you like, in the face of danger, kind of said to the New Zealand rugby team, whatever you've got, bring it on. You see, friends, there's a kind of humor that is powerful in a time of challenge. We see that in the 2019 Rugby World Cup, not just there, but we see it in scripture. 
The prophet Elijah confronted 400 of the prophets of Baal, the forces of light against the forces of darkness. And as that happened, we pick up the story in 1 Kings chapter 18. Elijah said to them, why don't we both offer sacrifices and the God who answers by fire, he is God. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, the Bible says, at noon, Elijah mocked them. They were dancing and cutting themselves and trying to call down fire from heaven and absolutely nothing was happening. Elijah mocked them. He said, hey, yell louder. After all, he is a God. Can you see the holy humor coming through here? Um, he may be deep in thought or perhaps he stepped out for a moment or has taken a trip. One Bible translation says maybe he's gone to the bathroom to relieve himself. Elijah carries on. Perhaps he's sleeping and needs to be awakened. You see, there was a holy humor in Elijah that was a weapon in a time of warfare. We see the same thing echoed in Psalms chapter 2 that tells us about the kings and nations of the world conspiring against God. It says, verse 2, the kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. In one corner, we've got the kings and rulers and superpowers of the world. In the other corner, we've got the maker of heaven and earth and the maker of the kings and nations and rulers of the world. And when they conspire against him, the Bible says, this is how heaven responds. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them with his wrath. You see, friends, sometimes, like the song says, our weapon is a melody. Sometimes it's a Jericho wall bringing down shouts. And sometimes it's holy laughter. As we remember that our God is in heaven, he does whatever he pleases. Remember that this too shall pass. And keep your holy sense of humor. Let's read on in our story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in this story in Daniel chapter 3 are about, they're making their last appearance in the book of Daniel. We don't hear from them after this chapter, but before they go, they want to make one last deposit in our lives. Check it out, Daniel 3.16. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king. They said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. These three Hebrew men say that our God is able. Ephesians 3.20, whatever we're facing, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. God is able. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, but you know, we, we worship God not just because of what he can do, because even if, even if he doesn't rescue us in this situation, 
He's still the only one who deserves the worship of our hearts and lives. That brings us to the third practical point we're going to pull out from this passage. And that's to make your worship unconditional. Friends, whatever you're going through, wherever you are, remember that it will pass. Remember to keep a holy sense of humor that is rooted in the fact that the one we worship is on the throne and nothing can change that. And last, make your worship of that God, of our God, of Jesus, unconditional. That's what these Hebrew boys said. They said whether he saves us or doesn't, he's the one that we will worship. Os Guinness tells of of one of the periodic efforts to wipe out religious belief in the former Soviet Union. The Communist Party sent KGB agents to the nation's churches on a Sunday morning, and one such agent was struck by the deep devotion of an older woman who was kissing the feet of a life-size carving of Christ on the cross. He asked her, Babushka, which apparently means grandmother, Babushka, are you also prepared to kiss the feet of the beloved general secretary of our great communist party? Why, of course, she shot back. But only if you crucify him first. That woman was making a statement that there's only one entity in all the universe worthy of our worship and he's the one who was nailed to a cross for you and for me and he deserves unconditional worship time doesn't permit us to get onto the the rest of the story where we see them thrown into this blazing furnace that's been heated up seven times hotter than usual and as the the king and his people look into there they see one who looks like a son of the gods, who appears and is with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego through the fiery trial that they are enduring. And friends, I love the way that this commentary puts it. Christ did not keep them out of the furnace. Christ, Christ did not keep them out of the furnace but found them in it. He doesn't always shield you from all distresses and dangers, but it is in the loneliness, in the betrayal, in the loss, that the fourth man comes and walks with you. The fourth man can always find his people. And I want to pray for you now that you know the nearness of the fourth man through whatever you're going through. Father God, wherever friends are listening to this message, I pray that like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that they would know your nearness. I pray that as they experience your nearness, each one through your spirit, that you'd given an eternal perspective that whatever we're going through, it shall pass. God, I pray that you'd make us people who are able to laugh with a holy laughter, even in significant and severe trial, because we know that our God is the one enthroned in heaven.
and nothing changes that. And God, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in their part in this story, as we play our part in your story, I pray that it will be said of us that our worship of Jesus wasn't conditioned upon how he acted at certain points in time, but that it would be rooted in who you are, O God, the God who comes to us during fiery trials. And God, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew peace in that fire, may every person watching this right now know a supernatural peace through the power of your spirit. God, I pray that as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew your protection, the Bible says that the the, they, they weren't burnt and their, their hairs weren't even singed. Their clothes didn't even smell of smoke. God, I pray that whatever, whatever we're going through, that we would know your supernatural protection. And God, as you led Shadrach, Meshach, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego out of that fire and into a place of promotion and prominence and influence in the land, God, may your people listening to this message know your promotion so that they can be salt and light, so that we can be salt and light in the nations of this world and bring glory to you. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you. What a great message from Embanisi. What a man of faith and just a dear brother who's brought us this incredible encouragement during this time. And you know, one of the things that I love that he said was that we need to consider how to make our worship unconditional. What does that mean? Well, I think oftentimes we want to make our worship conditional on how we feel. It's easy to let our emotions shape our worship, but he's encouraging us beyond that because emotions are just a reality of being human, and yet our worship needs to transcend that. We feel a certain way. The psalmists felt a certain way, and yet they rose above in order to worship God unconditionally. And I just feel like now is an opportunity, especially as we head into next year for that, or to this coming year, for that heart adjustment. What does it look like to worship unconditionally? And you notice when he talked about the fourth man in the fiery trial, are you aware of the rescuer even as you endure or have endured a fiery trial? Is your worship informed by that? Maybe you haven't been going through a fiery trial, But I guarantee that whether it's you or someone you know, uh, there are things that uh, have happened that need, make us need to remember this. So can I just encourage you, receive this for yourself, but actually think of one person in your life you know has experienced some difficulty, a fiery trial, give them a call, shoot them a text, and just remind them of the fourth man, Jesus, the rescuer, who's there in the midst of the fiery trial. Well, Great to be here again uh, with you guys and actually looking forward to next Sunday, January 10th. Hoping everybody can come out, uh, safety permitting, obviously, for you and your family. Um, But we are going to celebrate and be together uh, as we launch the year on January 10th. God bless. Hey, thank you for listening. Monument is a growing church pointing people to Jesus and planting churches in the greater D.C. area. For more sermons or information, please hop on to www.monumentchurchdc.com.